0: As alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. We live our life as a temporary manifestation. We come into creation through the joining of a sperm and an egg. We gestate. In our mother's womb for a period of time and then we come out as a baby and this baby is in need of constant care in order to survive it can't make it on its own finally we go into our earlier years our teenage years our 20s, we become adults and we get into the fruit of our life and then we get older and everything begins to dissipate our strength goes away our hair falls out or changes color uh, our bones begin to creak things don't work as well as they used to And as we get older and older and older, weaker and weaker and weaker, eventually we pass. And it's not like some of us pass and some of us don't. Everybody passes. And that's the term of a life. So in understanding this life we have been told by the saints and the katoos and the friends of God and the prophets that what we do in this life has an effect on us in an afterlife. It's explained to us that We are not just the body. There is more to us than the body. There is a part of us that has been put into us by Allah, which has the same eternality as Allah has. And this part that comes from Allah returns to Allah. And in order to make this journey of return, we have to be pure. We have to have somehow disattached from all that is illusion. We have to somehow disattach from all of that which is temporary in nature. And during the span of our life we have to begin to understand what is it that's temporary in nature and what is it that's permanent in nature and this takes some doing this takes some understanding because in many ways we are susceptible to the hypnotisms and the magnetisms of the illusory world. and we are drawn into the illusory world and we are held in place by the illusory world. Somehow a incorrect image of what's actually going on, has been ingrained in us, and we believe it to be true. Um, We believe the stories that were told about life, and in some inexplicable way, even though it should be self-evident to everyone that this life is temporary, people don't live it as if it was temporary. They lived it as if it had no end, and would continue forever. So what happens next is not usually at the forefront of the consciousness of most people. The holy men have come to try and change our perspective, to try and make us understand that this temporary existence that we are in is just that, a temporary existence, a temporary manifestation, and that there is a permanence to our being that is other than our body and other than the things we as people relate to in this world. And the kinds of things we relate to in this world are gender, male and female, uh, nationality, race, language, religion. And as we go through our world, we identify with these things, and we make them as if they were important elements of our being. Um, they become so important in some situations to us that we denigrate anybody who's not like us. We give little credence to other people who are not like us. Uh, we dehumanize them. Uh, we call them other. And whatever we are becomes the totem for what is correct and what is appropriate and what is real. Allah created all of humanity and gave all of humanity the same characteristics. It's interesting that... In worshipping Allah, we begin to differentiate between humans. That we begin to differentiate between people and their ways as if they are somehow different. And if different, and as if different cultures, different religions, different races, different ideas of worship, somehow change people inherently to where they are allowed to be dehumanized. What does it say about the people doing the dehumanization? How did they come to the conclusion that they are somehow holy and everyone else is less? Well, it happened because they have become attached to the illusory nature of things and they have given credence to many of the illusory ideas in existence. And this is all based in an understanding that either illusion is or is not real and for those who don't believe in a secondary existence this existence becomes reality and when you begin to treat illusion as reality then all of the difficulties that come with illusion begin to be treated as reality so The extent of our attachment to this illusion has to do with things that we consider real and important. So, if you're told that it's okay to hate, you begin to consider hate as a form of worship. You begin to consider hate as an elevated state as long as that hate is on behalf of your creator. These kinds of thinking lead to being tied to and enslaved in illusion. Sufism tries to free people from being enslaved in illusion. But the ones who don't believe In a life that can exist outside of this plane, the kind of freedom that Sufism is trying to offer is an unacceptable format, because what they're trying to do is enslave you, attach you to their ideas and their perceptions. They want to control your life. And the most obvious example of this is when they tell people to give up their lives on behalf of their religion. To give up their lives, uh, as the ultimate, uh, act towards their creator. But in reality, it's the ultimate act of control by the ones who are trying to control people's lives. How much further can you take a person than to tell them to kill than to tell them to kill himself on behalf of the faith? They've totally lost their freedom. They've totally lost their ability uh, to be free. We need to be able to look at all this and we have to rationally begin to consider what's going on in our life and what's going on in the world and science has now progressed to where science gives us a much better indication of the building blocks of this reality and what is and what isn't they've done tests as to what we call matter, uh, the existence of uh, physical uh, matter. And they have found that in reality, if you look closely and closely and closely at who we are, we appear to be whole. We appear as visible. But what we're made up of is mostly space there's more space within us than matter the amount of matter within the universe is infinitesimal compared to the amount of space there is in creation and the study of what this space is and what forms this space is what they now call quantum mechanics. The, the underlying existence beneath manifestation. So if they can tell you that you're mostly space and in the reality you're made up of electrons and neutrons and different atoms and these atoms form in order to make you look the way you look it's a difficult thing to comprehend one we can't see this unmanifested world our eyes are not capable of seeing it our eyes see the manifestation. They don't see the non-manifestation. Now, there are tools that are being created through science that allow us to see smaller and smaller things, but we still can't see that which is non-manifest. But the dilemma that we should be thinking about is how did this non-manifest world manifest into what we see? What is it that is the underlying fabric of creation that creates this tableau that we look at and that some of us call real? If we were able to see what's beneath this, it wouldn't look at all like what we see in Allah's mercy he's made it so that we see each other as full-blown beings within this manifestation but there is another manifestation There is more than this world that is visual to us. And if we can comprehend that that existence beneath the manifestation is real, we begin to think differently about what we see and what we encounter. The Sufis say that you can't see the truth. The eyes are limited in their ability to comprehend. There's a greater truth that we can't see through our eyes. So the teachers describe it as within the eyes, there is an eye that can comprehend what the eyes can't see. So We are limited in this existence by our senses. Our senses comprehend the world and those senses tell us what it is we see, what it is we encounter and how to deal with it. Imagine if we had additional senses, if we could sense the unmanifest, if we could Comprehend the unmanifest. If we could understand what it is and how it is that that which we can't see forms what we see. Put yourself in that position. And then you can begin to understand that what we see is a result of something entirely different and we're dealing with that which has come into being from somewhere else from an unmanifest state and can we comprehend how that happened we are simply told by the books the holy books the divine books that god created Man. So God, in his unmanifest state, in his non atomic state, made from emptiness something because he could. And because out of love, this was the resultant end so from love came being from non-manifest came manifestation and the world in general deals with manifestation it doesn't deal with the non-manifest now creation came from this non-manifest world Which means that the building blocks of who we are came from what we can't see. The building blocks of all of humanity came from where we cannot see. So, is it possible for us to come into touch with that area that we can't see? Is it possible? us to come into touch with that creative force that created us and made this world that our eyes comprehend? Can we go beyond our sensual comprehension into a sort of non-sensual comprehension which can understand that which is non-manifest which can be in touch with that which is non-manifest we have been given hints and clues and ideas to understand what this all is We are told that God created us as a mercy out of love. These are easy words to say, but incredibly difficult words to understand. But one of the things that we should understand, that if we're going to understand the reality that created us, we have to understand love and mercy and without being in love and mercy in a state of love and mercy we have lost the comprehension and or the ability to comprehend our creation and our creator and the non-manifest behind what we call reality, behind this illusory uh, tableau that we look at. So what's happened for most people? Because they can't feel love to the extent that uh, the Creator uh, put it into being, they take on the qualities that illusion brings with it. And illusion brings with it an egocentricity that tells you that you are somehow differentiated from everybody else in existence. And then it takes the next step, which is, and there are certain other people in our club And our club is a limited club. And we operate through this limited club. It totally obliviates the understanding that there is a non-manifestation below all of it and that non-manifest is the same everywhere and created everything and is the support system for everything. So, we have, in many cases, detached ourselves from our Creator, we've detached ourselves from our creation, and we now think we are independent beings running through this existence without dependency on anything but ourselves. We've lost touch with everything that supports us. We've lost touch with everything that created us. We've lost touch with everything that keeps us in place. We've lost touch with all that makes us what we are. The operative word being makes us. So we have to do a reverse process. We have to go from where we are and learn how to detach from all of these understandings. So here we are in the world being brought up and raised with all of these ideas from people who don't understand the truth that we've accepted as reality because we have no other basis for our ideas, and we wander through this life looking at what we see as the whole of everything, when in truth it is just the tableau that's been created from the background. And we don't know about the background. And we need to learn about the background. But in order to find that background, we have to give up the ingrained ideas and imaginations that we've created as to what existence is about. All of the things that hold us in place have to be given up All of the things that tell us this is who we are and this is why we are and this is where we came from and this is what is important have to be given up. Can you imagine all of a sudden at the age of 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 proclaiming I don't know anything. Every idea I've ever had has no validity to it. I need to start over to find the truth. And, the only way I can find the truth is to give up everything that I'm holding on to and that I'm attached to that's not real. And, what is real? Well, this is Not that difficult. What's real is that we were created out of love and mercy. So everything that we hold on to that's other than love and mercy has to be gotten rid of. And how are we going to get rid of it? How are we going to get rid of those ideas? Because if we want to understand the non-manifest beneath who we are, we can only enter into that place if we are like that place. And what is that place like? It's like love and mercy. Non-material, non-elemental understandings that we have to have within us in order to be able to travel the full range of who we are. But because we don't have those qualities, We can only travel the surface of who we are. Love and mercy will allow us to go beneath illusion and understand reality. And if love and mercy are not part of who we are, then we're not part of reality. And we can't be part of reality. So, if you have anger, if you have hatred, if you have animosity, if you have grievances against people, these things attach you to this illusory tableau, to this illusory plane. And they hold you in place in this plane. They don't let you leave this plane. They're like attachments like magnets. They magnetize you to this plane. So if you want to become demagnetized from this plane, there can't be a fiber of iron left in your being. If you're dealing with a magnet and you're dealing with iron, it'll pick it up. If you want to make something non-magnetic all the, or non-magnetized, all the iron has to come out of it. Well, all the animosities have to come out of us. All of the hatreds have to come out of us. All of the differences have to come out of us. That which differentiates us visibly and within our senses in this world doesn't exist in the non-manifest. And as long as we keep the criteria that differentiates us within us, we can't go into the area where the creation came from. We can't go into the non-manifest plane. First, we have to recognize this. Then, we have to begin to work on it. And that means that we have to become more and more detached from this plane, this tableau. And what does that mean? That means we have to give up all the things that hold us in place here. All of the things that we love In this place here so not only will the hatred keep us from the non-manifest the love of illusion will keep us from the non-manifest so if you love your wealth you're in trouble if you love what you have within this manifest world you can't escape it. It holds you in place. So somehow, we have to give up that which we hold on to, both what seems through our senses as villainy and what will seem also to our senses as normal everyday existence. We have to leave the sensory world and the appreciation for the sensory world and the enjoyment of the sensory world in the same way as we have to leave all of the satanic qualities that bring about conflict with the sensory world. Uh, This is the task that's been put in front of us. And if we truly want to become real if we truly want to understand where we came from and who we are we have to understand these things and we have to be ready to go into the unknown beyond anything that we have yet experienced may Allah take us there May he show us the way there. And may he make us understand the truth of our being. Amin, amin. Ya Rabbi lalameen. As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.